Hey, Maddie. Uh, we are talking all about cruises this week. Uh, what do you What do you think should be our opening skit? Well, I can think of one thing. No, 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 no. We are not doing a Titanic. But thing. Andrew, I'm king of the world. Maddie, I'm shutting this down immediately. Andrew, will you draw me like one of your French girls? Ew, Maddie. Okay. All right. I'll stop. But seriously, I do have one question for you. Okay, what? And I swear, you better be serious. I need you to promise me something. What? Promise me you'll never let me go. I hate you. It's episode 35. Cruises are terrifying. Candyman. 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 Be afraid. Be very afraid. We have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. Bing bing bong bong bing bing bing. I love China. Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? I just want them to suffer. I joined Donald Trump on the Republican ticket because I believe he has the right leadership and the right vision to make America great again. Since 2017, a majority of Democrats turned into alt-left radical psychos. We'll get back to them later. I will build a great, great wall. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the freaking frogs gay. And a shocking new picture is emerging tonight of a disaster at sea. More than 4,000 people on a luxury cruise when suddenly a sickening tilt of the decks breaks the calm. According to reports, the staff says there's no reason for concern. But a frantic scramble for survival ensues, with some even pushing children out of the way in the race to evacuate. Meanwhile, it seems at least one member of the boat's crew did see cause for concern, the captain himself. It turns out... He was already in a lifeboat. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. I'm Maddie. And I'm Andrew. And this is the, uh, yeah, we're, we're a podcast. <laughs> this is the podcast. We forgot we, where we were. Yeah, I know. Uh, where we talk all about horror, horror in real life, and horror in the media from an LGBTQ perspective. And this week, this episode, whatever, we're talking all about um, these things that float on the water they're kind of monstrosities. They carry thousands of people. They're called cruise ships. Cruises. Um, and whether you love them or you've never even been on one and you still hate it anyway, <laughs> which some of us are in, um, we're going to talk all about it. We have some great stories. Uh -huh. we, have, we have an exclusive interview. We do. With someone who was on the Holland America Line Zondam ship. Which is one of the ships that was hit by coronavirus and was not allowed to dock for a long time. Yeah, so, it's a pretty interesting yeah, take. It uh, was, and it honestly was very eye-opening. So it should be, um, should be an interesting episode. Yeah, and this is from a crew member's perspective. Yeah. So this is not someone that was on it for a joyride. This was someone's job. Yeah, so this was. Um, it'll be fun. We'll we'll play that at the end of our horror in real life segment. Yeah. So uh, I guess what I would. I'd kind of like to start here. Okay. Just because, um, 
you know, it's still, this is going to come out just at the tail end of June right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, we're still in Pride Month. When I think about cruises, I think about the ads that I get on Facebook and Twitter and stuff all the time, a little less so lately. Um, but thinking about like the Atlantis gay cruises, I, uh-huh. think, I think every gay, you know, cisgender man or even trans man for that matter um, gets them all the time. Yeah, it's um, pretty much split between underwear and cruises. Yeah, underwear, gay cruise, that, underwear, gay cruise. That's our, our lives on social media advertising. Um, but I was thinking this morning as I was getting ready to, you know, talk talk on the show today. Like, it's always been in my mind, like, I would never want to go on one. Yeah. I would never want to go on a gay cruise, whether it's Atlantis or really any other company. I don't really know the difference between any of them, if I'm being honest. But I started to think, like, why? You know, like, mm-hmm. why Why don't I want to go on a gay cruise? Like, why is, does it not appeal to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, I, I watched a, a few YouTubes today of, like, you know, some people that go on them frequently and, like, they review them or, like, You know, there was this one that I watched of this couple that, like, filmed every day, like, them doing stuff on their cruise. And I was watching all these people, and everyone was smiling and having a good time and partying and, you know, going on this thing or that thing or whatever and going to, I don't know, fucking, Theme parties. Dance, yeah, theme parties and all the other shit. And everyone's, it looks like everyone's having a good time. And I I just, I still, you know, the the shitty part about the story that I just told you is I still don't have an answer. Yeah, (laughs) Um, no, I get it. I, I watched it, I suppose, partly for me, is that, and we've talked about this sort of ad nauseum on the show, but I've never really fit into that part of the culture mm-hmm. in, 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 I will say, gay-specific culture. Um, that's never been where I fit in. I fit in in so many other facets, yeah. but I've never fit in in, like, the hot fucking, like... <laughs> You know, circuit party. Yeah, no, like, I get it. Crazy yeah. drugs. Like, that's never been my thing. Me neither. And I guess to me, like, that's, for me, like, what I think a gay cruise would probably be like. Would be sort of like, not that the people are bad. That's not even what I'm trying to say. No, 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 I get what my, you're saying. In my own head, I would, I would just be so kind of miserable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think for me, with cruises in general, not even gay cruises, but the idea of being, like, sequestered on a ship... Is just I, it, it kind of just freaks me out a little bit, and then on a gay cruise, I would just feel like it would be a constant like everyone is judging you, sausage. Every fest. everyone is like hooking up with everybody. Everyone's checking everybody out constantly. It just sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that's just the thing, right? I mean, everything that you just described, there's nothing, there's nothing, nothing bad about it. That, yeah, of course, it's just like we, you and I are not those kind of guys. No, it's just not. That's not what we do, and like. You know, I often tell people, too, that are, like, my non-LGBTQ friends, like, you know, you got to understand, like, when we go out, like, that's not, like, our thing. Like, we, like, go out to just, like, literally, like, talk to each other and have a good time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we're not going Maybe out sit to, outside. like... outside. <laughs> yeah. Like, sit on the patio and, like, and just get drunk together. Yeah. We're not really going out to be, like, I gotta find me a hookup. I gotta get a bratwurst right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Although I do want a bratwurst. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I guess for me, that's what it would be like. I'm looking forward to like the creation of a gay cruise in non-COVID time. That's like, it's like a bunch of like sweet gay guys, and we talk about like books, <laughs> and like we. Like, I'm wondering how this is going to get advertised. Well, I think basically what I'm asking for is just a Viking River cruise, but just for gay people. Yeah, like sure. I think I actually would fit in really, really well there. And I think um, we could you want maybe... like an Alaskan glacier tour. Yeah, in fact, <laughs> I think it might be kind of fun to do a Sukadik tour um, <laughs> on on a Viking River cruise. So I don't know, maybe we'll make that happen one day. But I was thinking about those things. And I was also thinking this morning about, um, you know, we had a, a great discussion with Maria, who you'll all hear from very soon here in this segment, 
about um, life on a ship and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, And you'll hear from Maria, who's an entertainer. Um, She's a, a fantastic singer. Um, that, you know, in general, her life on board, and she's done it for many years, has been pretty good. Yeah. For a lot of people, though, that are on cruises, it's not quite the same. Okay. Um, and there are really any unions for cruise workers. And there's this thing that cruise lines do. It's a principle that they follow. It's called flying under the flag of convenience, which essentially allows them to register the gigantic ships that they're on to different countries where the labor laws are much more lax than they are in the U.S. Sure. So they can make you work longer hours. They can pay you less, obviously. Um, and they do it because a lot of like their non-entertainment crew is going to come from you know, places like Honduras, for yeah, example, yeah, or sure. places like, you know, Costa Rica or Puerto Rico, where like you're not going to get paid a whole bunch. But if you go on a ship, you're going to get paid a lot more than you do back home. Well, and also you have room and board taken care of and, and you you're fed that. and, you know. Exactly. Except when you look at the types of things that happen in that regard. If you look at like some some state, no, they're not state rooms, are they? I guess cabins for, yeah. for, for, for crew. I mean, they're uh, like bunk beds. They're bunk beds. And they're. I mean, we're in our little studio right now. This, Not our, much bigger than our this. studio is actually probably larger yeah. in those rooms with a bunch of people in one. Yeah, and, um, I, I watched the show uh, Below Deck on Bravo. Oh, I and about e- that. even on that, those are like super yachts, yeah. so they're not quite cruise ships. Yeah. But even those bunks are like tiny. They're on top of each other. Like, I mean, like, oh, I mean, good lord, man, that's a lot. Yeah. And as of June 14th, really only, what, like a week and a yeah, half like a week ago, ago yeah. basically, um, the Miami Herald reported that there are still over 40,000 cruise ship workers stuck at sea. Jesus. Because of coronavirus, obviously, and a lot of them have COVID-19. Uh, this is three months after, you know, we've been in this quarantine. Yeah. And they're not even getting paychecks. These people. Um, And it's just, it's insane because as we already know, like there's not a lot of protection for them to begin with. Right. So like they're not getting paid in any way right now. Like what, I mean, honestly, what a disaster. Yeah. What a disaster. Seriously. (laughs) So that, you know, that's what I got. I could talk about why I don't want to go on a gay cruise all day long, but I'm sure we've got other things to chat about, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of stories, one longer one, and then I'm going to do two quick ones. Are they sex stories? No. (laughs) Damn. So I wanted to talk about some of the disasters that have happened on cruise ships. Not to scare oh, anybody. Really really but, bringing the fun in, aren't yeah, you? I know. Oh, I always have to be the one to bring it down, huh? No, it's actually <laughs> usually me if we're being honest about yeah. this. It's nice to have the role reversal. Um, so this is the Costa Concordia, which I don't know if you remember. I've heard this. of this. Yeah, it yeah, It was yeah. just uh, a couple of well, a couple of years ago. Um, in 2012, I guess that's eight years ago. God, already. It still crazy. feels like a couple I know. years ago. Um, so this was a cruise ship that had 3,206 passengers and 1,023 crew members on board. And it was sailing off the Isola del Gigilio. <laughs> You know what? Listen, that was not bad for you. The Isla del Giglio. Okay. Um, And it was kind of coming into dock when it was going through the reef that's charted as uh, La Scol. Um, The initial impact was eight meters below water level. um, And it basically tore a huge gash in the ship's port side. Now, this was not because of the ship. 
this was because of the captain. The captain turned off the uh, emergency uh, kind of like, you know, when you're getting close to something, it would kind of sound off. Oh, like you, I, you know, you're don't worry. Close. I've seen the abyss many times. Yeah. <laughs> so he actually turned that off because he wanted to manually navigate through this reef because he said that he knew he knew it because he had gone through it three or four times. So but why would you do that? I don't know. It's so stupid. It's like for me, I drive a 2001 Honda Civic. <laughs> I don't have a back camera, but if I had a back camera, I use it. would not turn it off. So he ultimately had a uh, little statement that said, I have to take responsibility for the fact that I made a judgment error. Um, and this time I ordered the turn too late. So this was all human error oh, that boy. resulted in the death of 32 international travelers, two of which were Americans. You know, I, I, I do remember hearing about this. Didn't that guy, did that guy kill himself? Oh, I don't know. The captain? I did not read further. I kind of remember that that might have happened. So some of the fu- some of the weird coincidences that happened in this boat is that when they struck the uh, reef in the dining hall, Celine Dion's "My Heart Will Go On" was shut, playing you over shut up the right loudspeaker. You shut, you shut your whore mouth, just, Andrew. It's true. You whore. You are a lying whore. No, that's what happened. Oh my god. Um. So essentially, um, some people tried to jump overboard because they were obviously scared, and a couple people drowned, and then a couple other people were pinned and drowned because of large Girl, furniture, pianos, etc. I want to tell you what. You know, like those, like, I mean, Titanic, for example, or any movie where people are jumping overboard and shit, that would 1000% not be me. I would be <laughs> holding on to anything for dear life. I would, I would sink. That's just yeah. what I would do. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't think that I'd survive. <laughs> I no. I don't know if I have no, the instincts. Because my luck is I jump overboard and instantly a shark eats me. I literally, I <laughs> jump into a shark's mouth that's what would happen to me i just think like because we because of the income level that we're at and like where we're we steerage. where we would be like put in yeah. this ship we're at the bottom of the boat we would never make it yeah so like they're giving me they're giving me on the cruise a crust of bread and a glass of milk every day like that's all i get so that is the tragedy of the concordia you can look up more about it there's a ton of research that people have done a ton of investigation that people have done into it um there was even a there's even some really shocking images of when they actually um, tipped the boat back up yeah. because it was crushed on one side. Um, it's just really shocking. They ended up actually airlifting it out of the ocean. Oh, my God. I, I do like in your notes here, you say that um, people were running around saying katsu. Do you know what katsu no, means I don't. In, in, uh, in Italian? It means fuck. Oh. <laughs> but like, what's funny is that katsu, what it really means is like 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 dick, like schlong. Although yeah. people say schlongo, too. Um, but like when people say like so fight, it means like what the fuck are you doing? Um, so like, I can only imagine like a bunch of Italians running around going so so Well, and there was also a lot of talk on the ship about how the crew was not um, trained pop- properly for an event like this. Uh, that there were only a handful of uh, crew members that were trained at this level. I mean, it just seems like maybe you should have been trained for something like that. Well, it also goes back to your talk about how a lot of these people are um, under you know underprivileged workers that yeah. are just trying to make a buck you know what i mean and they don't have the same rights as a lot and you of can't blame ones. them for it. it's not their yeah, fault no i know all. they're just trying to but work it's like having a flight attendant like you know i i love having a friendly flight attendant that is you know attentive and like brings me a drink that's very nice it's wonderful i'm also very glad that they are trained like if something happens yeah. like they they will tell me what to do right and i will listen to them you know yeah. what i mean yeah. like 
that they're trained for that kind of thing. Um, uh, the other two that I wanted to talk about is um, first, very briefly, the one that scares me shitless, if you will, is the. Oh, I know what this is going to be about. The Carnival Triumphs uh, disaster that happened in 2013. So just a year later, another Carnival or another cruise ship, this time a Carnival cruise ship, um, they <sighs> were out in uh, the ocean and the they had a fire and lost power, and then the sewage got clogged. Oh, and no. let's just say that people kindly refer to this play this ship as a poop cruise. I mean, couldn't they have found a way? For people to hang their asses off the deck and to shit into the ocean. I don't know if it was that or if they didn't realize it until it was too late. Because you're talking about thousands of people. Who knows how many people are going to the bathroom at the same time? I mean, listen, I'm not saying that you should shit on the fish. I'm just trying to say, like, you know, the fish shit, too. Yeah. You know, I I mean, ostensibly, it's you know organic what's coming out your body you know what i mean <laughs> i just yes. i just don't think it needs to be on the ship that has no power but can you imagine that? no oh. you know what I can't. this is why i'm not going on a fucking gay cruise yeah I'm going on gay cruise yeah fuck, fuck you and then the final one i wanted to talk about and i only bring this one up because it it took place in chicago you know what i'm glad i'm glad you're doing because i didn't even think about it yeah it's the ss eastman eastland, eastland. sorry eastland um this was in oh shoot i didn't put down the date i think it's like 19 15 something yeah, it was it was early in the teens yeah um, it might have even been, been 1912 i feel like there was this was a boat that was basically used for tours and it was chartered along with three other boats to take um, a majority of the employees from the western electric company's hawthorne works in cicero on their like corporate trip basically um and on the morning of july 24th basically what happened is in the chicago river so the place that we you know kind of go over every day when we go to work on the train they had too many passengers on once they were at capacity first of all they had never had this many passengers on the ship before right at clark and LaSalle. yep and um they basically all shifted they felt they felt the boat tilting to one side. Hey, so everybody, come over here! They all ran t- to the other side, oh, and no. it ended up capsizing the boat. And oh. of the two thousand five hundred seventy-two passengers, I think it was like something eight hundred and forty-four passengers yeah. died. Do, do you do you know where their bodies got taken? No. Ah, they got taken to the building that later became Harpo Studios, where the Oprah Winfrey Show was filmed oh. for the entirety of that uh, series. That's awesome. Um, also, what's funny? Not about- awesome. I don't know. If that no, was the word. Oh, me! Oh, Oprah! My God, you go, girl! Yes, go, girl! I realized that word came out of my mouth. I was like, wait, what? What's funny though is one thing that I did. I've, I've known about the Eastland for. I mean, we're Chicagoans. Like, yeah. you, you, people know about this here. But what I did not know is that it was taking a cruise all the way from Cicero to Michigan uh, City. To Michigan City, which. You know, you're going across the lake, so it wouldn't be, you know, in, insane. But that's a pretty long trip. Yeah. Like, especially for, like, a corporate trip. And especially back then. That yeah. thing was probably going about, like, 10 miles an hour. Right. Like, that thing probably, it would have taken all day long. But isn't that crazy to think that, like, way back in the day, cruise ships were going through the Chicago River? I mean, oh, yeah. That's I mean, well, crazy. It's, it's like river boats. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess cruise ships back then were much less substantial. Right. Um, and one more thing, too, that I actually forgot to mention. <laughs> Funny. My cousin Mark and Rob uh, and Robert, who live in Hawaii, yeah, um, their yacht got got sunk. Before. Oh yeah, I, 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 I forgot I about that. that. But yeah, my my cousin. I won't go into the whole story, but my cousin had this great yacht called Sambaluka. They docked it in um, in New Zealand, and I just I said that like a New Zealander, like yeah. in New Zealand. <laughs> I, I've been practicing Kiwi, so that's why it came out like that. 
Um, anyways, they docked it there. They went on this big like triangle cruise every year up to like Fiji and Vanuatu and then back. And there was this one year they went and Mark uh, was steering and went into this uncharted reef. It oh got the bottom of the ship and motherfucker, it hit and it just started to sink. Oh my gosh. And, and him and Robert had to literally hang on to planks of wood in the middle of the ocean as they watched their entire boat sink. sink. And Mark remembered, the, I remember he t- him telling me the story. He was like, you know, I was hanging on to this, you know, like door basically. And um, I watched this beautiful suit that I had bought years ago at Marshall Fields just like go by me mm-hmm. on the water. And he was just like, what is happening? Oh my right gosh. There's actually, there's a video of the, uh, I think it's like a French ship, like rescuing them and like bringing them up. It's like, it's oh. really grainy, but it's really interesting to watch. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and I should say there are a lot of other things we could have talked about. Um, when we talk about cruises, I mean, there's pirates, there are Girl. neurovirus. There is, look at me. I am the captain. now. <laughs> yeah. I am the captain now. Um, but And also the Bermuda Triangle, which we didn't really hit on the Bermuda Triangle because I want to do a whole episode on it. Yeah. Well, and so. also, too, with the Eastland, there's a lot of ghost stories about the Eastland at Clark and LaSalle. So we could do a whole and, haunted ships. Yeah. And folks, like when you, um, when you come to Chicago to see us and bring us gifts once this is all over, um, don't forget the gifts, number one. But number two, you should go and visit Clark and LaSalle. It's right downtown. Yeah. You're going to walk by it anyway. And put your ear just a little closer See if you can hear the screams of the people that died of the electric company. That's it. Employees. That's it. That's horror um, in real life. So we uh, are now. You're going to hear an interview from our friend Maria. She's an uh, entertainer on the ship, and she was on the Zondam now called Death Ship because <laughs> as I've seen many places yeah. call it that. Ho- Holland America has actually officially renamed it into the Grim Reaper. That's the new name, yeah. so. or whatever. However they say that in Dutch. And um, one thing that she said after we ended the interview that I really wanted to say because I thought it was so provocative and so like interesting that she put it this way. And you'll hear in the interview what kind of happened with her. But at one point, she literally was laid up in her cabin thinking, am I going to die on this ship? And that's where, you know, you'll hear the interview. And then right after that, you will hear what you've been watching, bitch. Yeah. And yeah, I want you to think um, as you go to bed tonight, am I going to die on this ship? Hey, everybody. And we're here with a very special guest, Maria Campos. Maria, how are you? Hi. What's up, so, guys? Maria and I go back. Um, we went to the same um, school. We went to Indiana University together. Yes. And, uh, and of course, she knows Michael Henry very well. Duh. Our college roommates. Here. Yeah, we're college roommates. Maria has an incredible, amazing, wonderful voice. Um, apart from being just a lovely human being, um, and really fucking fun, Maria, too. I've always had a good time with you, Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. And we're happy to welcome you here today, especially for this episode, because you have a bit of a history in the cruise industry, don't you? I do. It's been kind of my life since 2007. Oh, my goodness. So, um, Andrew, why don't you kick us off here? Because we've, we've got some thoughts that we'd love to explore with you. Um, and this is sort of uh, the perfect time to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, Maria, why don't you just kind of first off tell our listeners kind of, you know, how you got into cruise ships and maybe a little bit about what you do on the ship. Sure. Um, well, I went to Indiana University, obviously, and I was a music major. So, you know, did all the singing and the theater, et cetera. When I graduated college, um, I ended up moving to Chicago. And... You know, did some theater there, 
did the restaurant gig as well. Um, and it was a lot of fun, and Chicago is such a great city. But I just, I was getting tired of, like, doing theater and not really getting paid very well to do mm-hmm, it. And, like, mm-hmm. busting my ass working at a restaurant and also working in an office during the daytime. And so uh, they, a production company called Stiletto Entertainment um, had open calls in Chicago for cruise ships. And I never really thought about it before just because, you know, cruise ship singing hasn't always had, like, the best reputation. Or at least it didn't used to. But anyway, I went and auditioned, and I got the gig, and I was like, well, okay, let's just give it a try. Back in 2006, yep, and as soon as I started working, I mean, I got hooked because, you know, I was getting paid really well. I didn't have to pay for any food or um, got my own cabin, and I was traveling the world, so can't really complain about that. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, I just got hooked. I mean, once you, if you talk to anybody who works on ships with any kind of gig, I mean, once you get that, that travel ship life kind of bug, it's really hard to shake it. Maria, what's, what's the best place that you've gone to? Oh my gosh. Well, after this past contract, I've actually been to all seven continents now. Oh my God. Um, I went, I was lucky enough to be in Antarctica this past winter. Incredible. Yeah. Which was pretty crazy. I mean, the amount, the amount of whales and penguins I've seen, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It was just it was something that you never, ever, ever think that you will ever see in your life. Um, but I, I, I don't know, like, you know, going to Rio de Janeiro was pretty amazing, Doing being oh, there during wow. Carnival, and um, I don't know, Australia, New Zealand, Europe. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's sort of a tough question that I've asked. When you've literally been everywhere in the world, how do you, how do you even pick one, for God's sake? Well, yeah. I, you, I, think, I like to think that everywhere has, like, a special place. And, yeah. So I love places or things about everywhere. I know it's kind of cheesy, but it's true. Well, let, let me ask you this. Is there a place you hope you never go back to? Mm, you know, I was not a big fan of Tunisia. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty, it's a, a whole other world, just like that northern Africa area. Yeah. Um, it's kind of strange. Um, and as much as it was very interesting going to Guatemala, but... It's really hard to see like all the poor children everywhere and and help the poverty. Yeah, it just kind of you know it eats at your heart a little bit. But it's important to see. So I guess that would really those are really the only ones I would go everywhere else that I've been. Yeah, yeah. I think we felt that too when we were in when me and Maddie were in Roatan. We oh yeah. You would you would go off of the you know quote unquote resort and it was just mm-hmm. extreme poverty everywhere. It's just like man. <laughs> it, yeah. It, I mean, it's beautiful. Those, I've been to Roatan many times, and yeah, once you get off of the uh, the tourist uh, yeah. resorts, etc., it's kind of sad. Yeah, it's it sort of makes it hard to go back to your resort or to your villa or whatever, and then lay there comfortably and be like, "What the fuck am I doing right now?" Like something's just out of whack. Yeah, and you know, there are some places like uh, we uh, sailed up and down the Amazon a couple of times, and we would stop at like these like little villages, and we would donate like clothes and food nice. um, for the schools you know so some, some of those things were really good to do um, and we try to do that as much as we possibly could when we were in those kinds of areas yeah for sure well we are here to talk to you about a little horror story of your own <laughs> um, aboard the zondam um cruise yes. ship i believe it's a holland um holland america 
Holland America cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so for our listeners that don't know, this ship set sail on March 7th of 2020 um, from Buenos Aires uh, with 100 or 1,243 passengers and 586 crew members. Remember, so, remember March 7th, Andrew, just, yes. be, just before all this shit started. Remember that? Yeah, well... I remember, too. We had quite a wild night in Buenos Aires, let me tell you. Oh, nice. (laughs) Um, And then by March 14th, there was reported that 13 passengers and over 100 crew members had fallen ill with flu-like symptoms. Um, I think you can kind of see where this is going. Mm -hmm. Um, But, Maria, talk to us about those early days on this ship and kind of when you thought it was starting to get, you know, like when you started actually like worry, you know? Um, well, we were like spending so much time in South America slash Antarctica that we just felt like we were away from the rest of the world. It, it didn't really feel like anything would touch us down there. Right. Um, and one of, you know, we have a, a handful of channels um, on the TV for the, for the ship. And one of them is like, we have Fox News and MSNBC and then BBC. So I would watch a lot of MSNBC just to see what was going on in the world. And, you know, you started hearing about this months before that, obviously. Um, but you, we just felt like nobody was sick and they were still letting people fly to mm-hmm. cruise ships, which was a little surprising. And actually, um, one of my really good friends from college, Brent Real. He joined me on that cruise as my wow. friend on board. So as a singer, you're allowed to bring people on for free and they can stay with you, which is a pretty good perk. So he came and it was his first time ever cruising. Oh, God. So it was, uh, you know, it, the first part, I would say the first half of the cruise was really normal. Um, everybody was having a great time. I was, I'm one of the projection singers, so we would have four shows per cruise. So, you know, we were doing our shows. Um and I actually had a, a couple of corporate friends on at that time as well. So it was just a really nice. good time. Um, and then once we got to one of our last ports of call was uh, the Falkland Islands, which is uh, south of Austria, um, sorry, Argentina. But it's like a British colony kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the really, it's a really small place. And the only thing you go do there is, is go on penguin tours to see like king penguins and stuff. And I remember... That was the first time, that, I think that was on the 12th of March, um, that people were starting to feel like, okay, everyone, like, the coronavirus is a thing. You know, it hasn't touched this part of the world, but make sure that everyone's washing their hands, um, staying away from people, trying not to, you know, no shaking hands. No, I mean, they usually say that anyway on ships because uh, the norovirus uh, can spread so easily, and that's, you know, yeah. when you have the the shits and the pukes at the same time. That's <laughs> ah, my, my favorite one. Yes, exactly. Luckily, I've never gotten that somehow. Oof. But um, anyway, and that I, me- I remember that day, like, people were, start- that was the day that people started being like, they're talking about it, etc. But then we go back to the ship and everything's, you know, normal. No one's, like, taking any extra precautions besides, like, the normal wash your hands, etc., etc., which you want to do anyway. But then... Where we we skipped our next port of call, which was um, Ushuaia, which is Argentina. It's like the bottom of the world, basically, because the, uh, they wouldn't let us in because Argentina had just closed their border. Oh wow! And they weren't telling this to anyone at the time. 
but it was kind of a bummer because it's a beautiful place. So we're like, okay, well, we'll just, our next port of call was at Punta Arenas, Chile. And we were able to get off the first day and it was kind of weird. Everybody was like, you know, like they didn't really want to, the Chileans were kind of staying away from us because they hadn't been, hadn't had any illnesses, but um, I don't know. It just felt like we were getting, giving the cold sh- or given the cold shoulder in a way. Uh, we go back to the ship, and then our next port of call is another uh, port in Chile. And I remember it, it was the orange party. The orange party is like what they do once a cruise, like because orange is like the national color of the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and it's a big like celebration of uh, the queen, etc. So they have an orange party like once a cruise, and that's like you know like a pub crawl, and then there's a big party in like the disco area, and everyone's like wearing orange and getting drunk, etc. Yeah. And during that party, I remember it was like. I don't know, 11 or something at night. And you could feel the ship like it was turning. And you can really feel the higher you are on a ship, the more you can feel the turbulence. And mm. we found out, like, because I was pretty good friends with a lot of the officers, and one of them told me the ship was turning around. And uh, we were like, why is the ship turning around? And they were saying, uh, Chile is going to close the border, and we're trying to go back before they close it so that we can get all the passengers off before they close the border. Oh, wow. Um, The next day. So, yeah, the ship turned around. We got to Punta Arenas. But they they knew we were coming back, and they closed it early to make sure that we wouldn't be able to dock. So you guys were literally stranded at sea. Yes. Oh, Um, my God. We ended up anchoring there, I don't know how many days, like um, four days at least or something, because they were trying to figure out what to do like because originally the cruise was supposed to end march 21st in uh santiago chile um and then that was going to be the start of our last cruise which was our repositioning cruise back to uh, fort lauderdale um but it wouldn't and then of course uh, when you do your um port of calls like uh your home port they always give you they bring out new supplies etc they retank the fuels you know um, or sorry, they re-gas the tanks to make sure, sure. that there's enough gas, etc. Um, but they wouldn't let us dock. So we, uh, the captain and all the officers, they worked so hard. I mean, they were like trying to figure out how we were going to be able to, I guess, like survive and get anywhere because we needed enough fuel and they needed more food for the guests. I mean, they were... Oh, my God. It was starting to get like, you know, we are starting to get like rice and you know fish heads and stuff like that for the crew um not for not for the guests of course they had priority but um so we just like kind of dangled and then eventually after like six days i believe i think it was march 20th we were able to go to valparaiso which is north of santiago and we didn't dock we anchored um and they brought us supplies and they brought out like boats to like fill the, the, the tanks sure. but they wouldn't let anyone off and the, every day the captain would come on and make an announcement saying you know we're doing everything we can we'll just keep you updated but then I believe I believe it was the next day is when they told us okay everyone is confined to your cabins oh, you can't oh, leave goodness gracious. Um, and we all know that some of those cabins can be pretty you well, know, for the suffocating cr- most of the crew they share cabins oh. and don't have windows, right? Bunk beds. Which is, I mean, that's 
it's okay if you're allowed to leave and, and we have sure. to work, et cetera. But I mean, I'm lucky. I was lucky I had my own cabin, you know, and it was a good size. So I, I never felt like I was, even though I didn't have a window, I didn't feel like, you know, I can't breathe or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, for crew members, they, I mean, pe- people still had to work because, so the guests couldn't leave their cabins. So they brought, well, they were brought their meals uh, three times a day. As well as, like, they had a choice of, like, a bottle of wine or, like, booze for the day. Um, so a lot of the housekeeping and the beverage staff, they were working super hard because, and, like, everyone's having to wear masks and trying to stay healthy because they had to deliver food for the whole ship. Oh, my Which God. is, you know, that's a lot of work for, like, 1,300 people. Um, but for the crew, we were allowed to leave our cabins only for mealtimes. Mm-hmm. So we had um, three times a day where we could go to the Toledo buffet, eat, but then we had to go right back. We, we couldn't go outside. Um, you couldn't sit with anyone. You know, social distancing was definitely enforced. Wow. Um, and that the, there were crew members who were getting sick, and those, those people who had symptoms, um, they were confined to their cabins, and then they would have food brought to them as well, and they had to stay in their cabins for 14 days. Um, so that was pretty tough. I mean, those of us who didn't, who weren't confined, like, because I'm part of the entertainment team, we would, like, do special, like, shows. Like, we would have trivia shows or, like, teach a dance class or mm. yoga class, like, on stage, and it would just be videotaped, and then they would air in the guest bedrooms so they could watch it so they could have some kind of entertainment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was... I guess better than nothing, um, but it was kind of hard. Um, it was very hard not being able to go outside. After a certain amount of time, they started doing this like outdoor program thing. So, depending on for the guests, like what floor their cabin was on, etc., they were allowed to go outside and walk around the outside deck for thirty minutes. Wow! If they weren't sick, of course. Yeah. Um, and most most of the guests were in pretty good spirits. They thought that, you know, we were doing everything that we possibly could with our circumstance because we didn't have, like, we didn't have anything on the on the ship to test for coronavirus wow. yeah. at the time. Um, but some, I, I mean, of course you would get some people who, like, they would yell at us, like, I'm staying out here for my full 30 minutes. You can't make me go back, you know. You know, because people that, are stuck. Getting that stir crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. But at least, I mean, they were taken care of. You know, they had all their meals. They were even given alcohol. Um, and they were doing their best. But, like, with the situation, we were getting different news every single day because they were, yeah. try, like, trying desperately to find out where we could dock, if people could actually even get off the ship. Um, and then finally, we, I think it was in Ecuador, like, in the middle of the night, uh, there was a... a they let us take like a tender boat over there to get like supplies. So they got those like those uh, the I ninety masks mm-hmm. um, for a bunch of people, and like they were able to get Corona test um, tests as well there. And that's when we found out that people like some people had it, and I believe wow. four four people died. Yeah, from it. I read that when you guys were waiting for access to go through the Panama Canal, mm. that that um, in that time period that you were waiting four people had died yes that is true um not no crew members at the time there has but there was one crew member unfortunately uh he was like a he was like 
early 50s, I believe, because of the mm, housekeeping. That's sad. That's sad. He, he died, but he didn't die till we got to, uh, to Florida. I mean, um, Maria, for you, has this, I mean, I know that you you love what you do, and I could, yeah. I could understand why, because you're, I mean, number one, you're good at it, not to blow smoke up your ass, but it's true. <laughs> And number and number two, it, it does have to be extremely fun. I mean, you just told us, you know, in this interview that you literally have been to every single continent and not many people can say that. Right. But I'm wondering, everything that you just told us, and, you, and it's not even the, the full the extent of the story, mm-hmm. has, has it changed your view of either working on cruise ships or even just if you were to ever even go on a cruise as a, as a passenger? Has it changed the way you feel? You know, um, before I left the ship, I didn't actually leave the ship until um, April 6th. Um, I felt I felt very safe on the ship. Like, they were, we were cleaning around the clock. Or, um, they were taking care of everything, the meals, etc. And I I honestly was like, I, I will stay on the ship longer because, like, I, I felt like it was... It felt like watching the news, how crazy it was getting everywhere... I felt like it was even safer to be on the ship, to be honest. Wow, wow, yeah, sure. And I would know, I mean, I wouldn't hesitate going back at all. They take so many safety precautions. Of course, things spread easier on ships because we're confined in one space. But I think that they're definitely going to come back. Hopefully, I mean, I don't know when, but I would definitely not hesitate to go back on a ship. I never, I never felt like in danger because I was taking mm-hmm. care of myself and... I felt like they were doing everything they possibly could. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I well, would definitely it, do it, it again. It was the early days of, of coronavirus, too. We had no idea what we were. I mean, you guys were on a ship right when it all went down. Yeah, it was crazy, honestly. Uh, it was just, it's it, when I think of, you know, March, I think that my last day in the office was March 13th. Mm-hmm. And so you guys were on a boat then with people from all over the world. Um, that had come to be on this cruise. Who knows where it came from? Um, right. And then you kind of have to just like uh, experiment with how you take care of the boat now yeah. because it's all like a big social experiment. Yeah. And um, when we were in, in waiting in the Panama Canal, before we crossed it, uh, one of our sister ships, the Rotterdam, which is the same size as our ship, came from like California or I don't know where they were uh, to get the healthy passengers off of our ship hmm. and put them on their ship um, because they were trying to set, because the Rotterdam was clean. So they were trying mm-hmm. to separate. So some guests obviously stayed on our, our ship. No crew was allowed to leave. Um, so, I mean, that was, I mean, it was good that they did that. I know that there were guests who were frustrated about it, but like, yeah, sure. what can you do? Like, they're just... Extraordinary circumstances. Very extraordinary circumstances. And they wouldn't let us go through the Panama Canal until um, nighttime because they didn't want, I, I guess they didn't want like the people to see us going through the canal or something. We couldn't go outside. We had to keep all the windows closed. It was, it was wow. so weird. Huh. Yeah, it was very strange. But, I don't know. We did it. Maria, a question for you. Um, yes. All the sex stories that I've never been on a cruise before. Just want to tell you. Okay. All the sex stories that I hear about are they true on cruises? Is it just everybody hooking up all the time? Uh, you are talking to the right person. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes. Well, you know, it's kind of like 
when you're in college, kind of like dorm mm-hmm. situation in a way. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, there's about 500-something crew on this side ship. Everybody knows everybody. There's a one crew bar that everyone goes to. You know, drinks are like a dollar. Oh, my God. And you just go to, to unwind, right, have fun. But, like, you're on a ship. You're traveling. You, you, you party. You want to, like, have a little fun here and there on the side the sad thing about it is a lot of the officers especially they like have wives or husbands back home oh dear and they're always i mean it's true like they they always cheat 100 percent. it's just a thing and like nobody talks about it and like and i can say this as a woman like guys you know and this is i think this is normal life anyway but like a guy can like sleep with however many people he wants and he's fucking hero yeah of course and me being like a hot single Latina, I sleep with a hot, you know, a lot of people, and I'm a slut. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's fun. Like, I mean, some ships are a little bit not as crazy as others, but I always have my fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, girl. Yes. Go for it. <laughs> it's part, I think it's, I mean, it's part of the, I mean, if you don't like to go out, if you don't like to party, if you don't want to be around people and mingle, then ship life really isn't for you. But I, yeah. I do believe, like, I'm 40 now, but I feel like solid 32 (laughs) (laughs) it keeps you you young let me tell you (laughs) nice well just to kind of finish up the story on the ship that you are on Mm -hmm. um it looks like from what i i see is that right around the beginning of april you guys were finally able to dock in fort lauderdale and yeah yeah get off we docked on april 2nd um they were letting guests off with no crew um and for my cast, there was a cast of 10 of us. Uh, three of us were Americans, one Australian, and the rest were British and Ukrainian. Um, and our actual end date was supposed to be April 7th anyway, at the end of our actual contract. But on April 6th, I got a phone call in my cabin saying, Hey, uh, we found a flight. You have one hour to pack and let get off the ship. Oh, jeez. Which was God. pretty... It was awful because... Um, you know, I'm on a ship for six months. I have like two huge suitcases. It's your life, right? Mm-hmm. So I just like threw whatever I could in my suitcases. I I don't even know what I left behind. And but it was but they didn't let the whole cast off. They only let off myself and uh, one of the other Americans. And the rest of them all stayed on until honestly a couple weeks ago. Um, because they wouldn't let people fly back to their countries. So, but it was crazy because when I got off the ship, they like rushed me to a car. Nobody checked my temperature. Nobody checked wow. anything. They didn't look at my luggage. They drove us to, like, the actual, like, runway um, in Fort Lauderdale. Um, didn't go through security. Not, like, nothing. Wow. And they just threw me on a plane. And they said, uh, where are you getting off? And I had three choices. I had um, Columbus, Newark, and Toronto. It was, it was making three stops. And I just, I said Columbus because it was the closest to Indiana. Yeah. Um, but it was just, I felt, it was just super emotional because like, I didn't get to say goodbye to anyone. And, Mm. you know, you're such a close knit family when you're on ships, especially with your cast. Um, but it, it really blew my mind that nobody checked anything temperature wise, nothing. They didn't ask me if I had even been, been sick at all, which I had been actually. Um, and I got on the plane and it was full, completely full of like all these 
people from a princess cruise. Oh my god, mm. Jesus! And everyone was wearing masks and had gloves on, and I was like a hot mess, crying. And I, when we, when we got to Columbus, um, there were all these like black cars on the on the runway, uh, waiting for those people who were getting off there to drive you to your destination. Wow! Wow! It was like That's it was so like crazy. out of a, it was like out of a movie. It was really. I just I thought it was so weird how they just, that they didn't check anything and they're just like you have to go now and I was like, do I have to go now? Because I I feel rather yeah. staying here for like a, just a little bit longer. No, no, Maria, <laughs> did you end up did you end up having COVID or or do you know have you been tested? Um, I have not been tested. Uh, I really want to be tested for the antibodies because yeah. I'm pretty sure I did have it. I mm. mean, I had like I had a fever, a very high fever for a couple of days. I couldn't breathe. Oof. Um, like, I remember, like, you know, I'm, I love whiskey. And I remember, yeah. I was like, I was, if I ever start feeling a little sick, I'll, like, have a little hot toddy or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And, like, it tasted like gasoline. Like, I lot, like, nothing tasted good. Like, I had all those symptoms. Oh, but there was boy. nothing I could do, so I was just confined to my cabin until, and taking as much, you know, Tylenol as I possibly could and drinking yeah. as much water. Um, so, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure I, I did have it on the ship. Well, regardless, we're very glad that you're okay. Yes. Um, and hey, when you get that test, will you let us know how it turns out, will you? I will. I mean, I don't know if they're, I, I know they're not doing the antibodies test everywhere, but yeah. um, I'm hopefully going to be able to doing it here sometime soon in Michigan if I can find some place to go. Because I would like to know, I mean, I'm pretty, you know, I feel like I, I did have it because I'm not one really that gets sick anyway. And sure. It, mm-hmm. It's a different kind of feeling from like the flu, to be honest. So. Wow. But hey. I survived. Maria, <laughs> thank you so much for talking to us about your experience and about what it's like to be on a cruise ship. Um, you know, unlike in our episode, we hope you never have to go on a ghost ship. We hope that that's never <laughs> an experience that you have. Um, I mean, there, there's crazy cruise ship stories out there about people killing people and ghosts. I mean, what? Those exist. So, you know, oh, it, I'm sure we'll find, we, we have, we'll probably talk about it in the regular part of the episode, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, <for sure. laughs> yeah. Yeah, just uh, look it up. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, Maria Campos, thank you for being with us, my dear. Love you very much. Glad you're safe and okay. And thank we'll talk you. to you soon, okay? Yeah, love you guys. Take care, okay? You too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, it's now time for the What You Been Watching, Bitch segment. What You Been Watching, Bitch. And if you've not dined with us before on this on this cruise ship, um, this is the time in the show where we just talk about what we've been watching. Step right up for a plate of bullshit, folks. Here it is. <laughs> okay, um, I'll, go, I'll go first this time. Yeah, okay. Um, so Andrew and I have two that are the same. So yeah, we're we gonna, we'll save those for the end. Um, uh, I have been watching a number of queer films um, recently because it's Pride and it feels not like Pride. So you have to make it feel like Pride for yourself. Yeah, sure. Congratulations. Um, you made it through another one. Right. So um, I'm going to combine a couple here so we don't have so we go on and on and on. Um, one thing that I watched was called Queer Britannia on, on Criterion uh, Channel, which if you've not subscribed to it yet, you might want to think about it because it's really, really good. Um Queer Britannia is a double feature. They do a lot of these double feature things on there, which is really cool because it's films that you probably not watched before, to sure. be honest. 
and they pair them together thematically and it's just it sounds like a sounds like a podcast that we yeah <laughs> right it's really yeah yeah good point um it's really nice though and um and there are films that you can't really get anywhere else anyways queer britannia was uh, two films um one was another country um, with Rupert Everett and with a very young Colin Firth. I mean, they're all very young in this movie, but yeah. Colin Firth and a bunch of like English <laughs> actors. Um, it's so good. It's about this like it's a school that's kind of like Eaton. Um, Eaton? Eaton in, in England. Like we're like, oh, we're oh, all, oh, all oh, the rich sorry, kids. Sorry, I, I took that a completely different yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't um, like Eaton. Yeah. Um, what you been eating? <laughs> what you been eating, bitch? Um, so uh, it's it's a it's a movie about that. It, a lot of gay stuff. It's just it's fantastic. And then the other film in that double feature is called Morris, from the E. M. Forster novel. I know it's your favorite. Um, <laughs> Just excellent. It's got uh, Hugh Grant and it's got um, Simon Callow and a number of other just wonderful people. Sort of Edwardian era, like gay romance. Um, okay. It's my kind of thing. Sure. So I was sure. really into it. It was a great double feature. That's my first one. Cool. My first one comes to us from Shudder. Uh, this was their kind of new release. You know, they've been doing like the Shutter exclusives. Yeah. Um, this is called Scare Package. You get it? Care Package. <laughs> it's like a care package, package but it's scary. Um, I, I was really into this movie for like 45 minutes. And then was it bad? And then it just keeps going and keeps going. And it's it's an anthology film, but it's not set up in the same way that you would think like a creep show or like where they're like longer segments and there's only like three or four yeah. of them. This one is like... 10 segments i think 10 15 i couldn't i lost track yeah. and the first couple the especially the very first one they, they set it up to be like kind of like a uh a virus type of blob type of ooze yeah. type of thing and that one's actually pretty funny and i was like really into it and then i don't know it just kind of lost me halfway through and i ended up being like i don't think i'll watch this again i just sort of feel like shutter exclusives are like that sometimes i mean we've had some good ones revenge was a really good one yeah, I, I just think that they've been kind of few and far between I, I i gotta tell you if i'm being honest shutter has for me lately has kind of been a weird space i don't know i find i'm finding um a lot of like they're putting a lot of the old 80s movies no, no, no. that are like I, yeah. restored on there don't, which don't, i like don't get me wrong i think that there's a lot of there's there are good things that shutter continues to do i i since it's pride i'm just going to mention this quickly but I'm still really not happy with Shudder and how they're dealing with the Joe Bob thing. Yeah. I'm just, I'm really not. And I think, especially during Pride Month, um, I think it's strange that they haven't released anything about acknowledged it about about Pride Month really in the first place, except like adding a, like two new movies. I think like I just think there's a lot more that they, that they could be doing for um, for us and for yeah. people that are listening to the show right now. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that they've really <clears throat> not been doing it. And I know that there are a couple of people out there that don't agree with me on this, and you're probably listening right now. And, you know, bully for you. I don't really care. But I'm not pleased with how they're taking care of it. So I, I, all that to say, it, and I know it's not just me, Shudder has been a weird space lately. It's mm -hmm. been kind of hard. Um, that being said, I actually do want to watch Scare Package. Yeah, I would say give it a watch. I mean, it's not going to blow your mind, but there are some nuggets of Let genius. Let me blow your mind. <laughs> um, wonderful. Scare Package on Shudder. Uh, I, I'm going to combine these next two as well because um, they're both available for free streaming right now on Netflix. Um, the Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson and How to Sur Survive a Plague. If you have not seen these movies, you need to go see them, especially if you're a younger, gay, a younger LGBTQ person. Like, you need to know where you came from. You need to know especially about Martha, Marsha P. Johnson, um, because you have to. Like, she's absolute 
uh, completely vital to where we are today mm-hmm. um, as a people. Like Marsha P. Johnson did so much for so many people, and a lot of you don't even know about her. Mm-hmm. So watch this documentary. It's wonderfully filmed. It's it's fantastically produced. Um, it really digs into the story of um, uh, not just her life, but her death, which is great the way that they named it, the death and life of Marsha P. Johnson, mm-hmm. because it really goes into the mystery surrounding how she died. The other movie is How to Survive at Five a Plague, um, also important for Pride Month because it's all about the AIDS crisis. And it's all about the people in ACT UP that started the fight before a lot of us, you know, were even around. Yeah. Right? And um, the important work that they did that was more important than anything the CDC did or anybody else. Yeah. These people fought to make sure that they got the care that they needed and that their friends needed. And if they hadn't done it, AIDS would still be running amok. Like it would, mm-hmm. it would still be as awful as it was, you know, before 96. Sure. Right. Yeah. So. Wonderful films, great documentaries. They are brilliant to watch, and you should watch them before June ends. Well, to go from something very important and something very knowledgeable and something very good for the gay community. Oh, what, what you got now? I'm going to be talking about the Netflix original Floor is Lava. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> so is that what, like what kids say? No, the floor is lava. Yeah, it's so this is literally a grown-up version of that where they put people in a room that that is staged like either a living room or a kitchen or a dining room and they fill it up with red liquid like that is I don't know if it's water or if it's like Wait, this is a reality show? Yeah, it's real. Um people get on there and they try to make it across and they get teams of 3 and um they really commit to if you it's funny because when oh my god when you go in the quote-unquote lava you're like dead so like they actually like make you go completely under like they just make like go all the way down and they really like take it seriously like they go all go down but it's so funny the reactions in the very first episode it is a mom and two kids and i won't i won't spoil it but one of the kids goes in the lava and she reacts like no Oh my hilarious. god! Oh my god! So if you want to turn your brain off for a half an hour, floor is lava and is hey, highly recommended. We could all use that sometimes. Exactly. You know, so now we have two that um, we'll talk individually about. I would like yeah. to start with the movie, if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, we both watched on accident <laughs> um, the movie "The Good Liar." Um, Good liar. This is the Helen Mirren. Yeah, Ian McKellen. I, I I get him mixed up with somebody, another English actor, a Ian lot. Holm? I don't know. Um, you I just want to make sure the rings the brain right. on. Um, but this is a movie all about um, an older couple. Huh. I, can you call them a couple? I don't know if you can call them a couple. An older two adults who sure. come across each other and they start doing favors for each other. They become friends. Well, they meet from a dating site. Oh, that's right. Um, and they become friends after that. It's a whole, it's one of those, we're going to pull out the rug from you a couple of times during this movie. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to give anything away. Uh, it definitely, I, I liked the movie. I liked the twists and turns that it took. I think it was a little derivative, if I'm being totally oh, honest. Oh, for sure. Um, and 
the way it ends and just the whole movie and we talked about this a little bit but it felt very much like this was made for an older generation yeah i i, I think that this like, like i like i expressed to you like my mom would really like this yeah. movie and it would be a little risque for her it's you know like what I mean? it's like murder she wrote yeah it's like it's like murder she wrote on steroids yeah and um and I will say that there there are parts of it that are fairly brutal, truly. Oh yeah. Um. So like, like I said, it's sort of like murder she wrote, but just like on drugs. Yeah. Um. It's not bad. It's just like you said. I think derivative is is a good word. But I think I think it's it's interesting. There are points of depth that I was like, oh, why didn't think we were gonna go there? Yeah. That's neat. Uh-huh. That's interesting. And some of the when you did well, you did point this out, but some of the p- parts of violence I was not expecting. Yeah, big so. time. Like, whoa, that's yeah. a lot. So yeah, I mean it was good. I I think it's I think it's in, it's it's a fine watch. It's eminently worth watching. And a lot of British accents. Yeah, so if that's your who thing. doesn't love yeah. that kind of thing? Um, and then the final one that we love, both... Victor. Yes, we both um, binged. Love Victor was was good. Um, you know I, I'm a big Love Simon fan. I um, thought it was a good compliment to that. Yeah, I think so too. I I, I you know what I, what I said, and we won't ruin the ending for you. Um, if it didn't end a certain way, you were going to be very angry. There's that. But also like on Twitter, I was like, actually the real ending is, um, a bill for therapy. It's a Victor from Simon for all the free (laughs) therapy that he gives him nonstop all the time. Um, it's, it's a good, it's a good show. You can definitely tell. And I don't know if you knew this, but it was originally, um, adapted by Disney. Yeah, and right. Disney thought it was too risque. Yeah. Which, watching it, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> which, because this is the most saccharine show that I've seen in a long time. Which you can see in the, um, you can see in the writing. Yeah, it, it really reads, and that, and that's, that is what I think suffers in this series is because the writing in Love Simon was actually not that bad, mm-hmm. and I was expecting it. Truly, I walked into Love Simon thinking I am going to hate this, mm-hmm. and I loved it to pieces i loved it to pieces i was crying i felt so touched i felt moved um i felt like you know glad about the future i cried Uh, i did too and listen i I cried i cried in love victor too and i i also was touched don't get me wrong i just think that the writing is not the same caliber as it was for love simon yeah and i think that there are a couple people in this that are maybe a little novice to acting that um which ones uh, i think the sister is a little over the top um, yeah. and I think even the mom at some points is a little over the top. Yeah, sure. Um, but I did like that it w- had a lot of people of color. It represented yeah. a lot of different facets of the LGBTQ community. Absolutely. Yeah. It tied to the movie really well, in it my did. opinion. Yeah. I, I think it really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Integrated. Yeah. It was you know, good. It, it integrated. Um, some of the, like I said, some of the acting's not. Maybe maybe it'll get better in season two. Yeah. Um, I actually think that um, Mia's friend, the the long haired girl, I actually think she's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what the other character that I suffered for me was Andrew. Um, Wait, which like Andrew? the jock guy. Oh, he's just a jock. Yeah. So uh, th- I mean, that's the thing. You know, if you listen, if you make a if you make a, a movie or a show about high school, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be full of high school archetypes. Sure. So I mean, no one should expect anything different. You know what I mean? But like, I thought it was a, it, was, it, it was a sweet story. But but it was sweet. You know, I do I do appreciate that this this was maybe a little more meandering mm-hmm. because that's a little bit maybe closer to reality for a lot of kids. But um, if there was a show like this when you were a teenager, yeah. wouldn't that have made such a big difference? Listen, without a doubt. And since we're still in Pride Month, we can maybe talk about this for a couple more minutes. Without a doubt, yes. Because we never had this. Mm-hmm. They were still saying faggot mm-hmm. and everything and mm-hmm. retarded and awful words that, you know, the, the N-word was still all over the place. Yeah. And, 
in representations when we were of this age. We had nothing like this. I know. And when we got done, I actually, I did reflect on it. And I was like, you know, it makes me really sad for my generation mm -hmm. because, and generations before, because I think that we were really kind of the last generation to deal with that. In, 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 in a way. In, in that in way. way. Yeah. In that way. I think, I think it changed a great deal after us. Mm -hmm. um, just because the internet and everything else. Um, but for us, like, think about how much different your life could be right now. I know. I, and I really mean that. No, like, I know. If you didn't have to internalize all the stuff that we had to, all that being said, I'm really glad for kids that it's not that way now. Or, yeah. it's, or you know, you know what I'm trying to say. It's a lot better now. It is. It, trust me, it is compared to what we had to go through and what generations before did. And hopefully it just keeps getting better and better. You got to work for it. It's not, you know, you don't just make a, a video called It Gets Better and then think, oh, well, I'm done now. Yeah. You got to actually make it happen then. But yeah, I ho I'm really hoping that Hulu will bring this back for at least one more season. Oh, they have to. Come on. Yeah, I, I feel like in time of quarantine, this is going to get eaten up. Without a like doubt. So. Without but, a doubt. But yeah, so that's what we've been watching, bitch. Uh, so we will take a quick break and we will come back with our horror and, or horror and movies, excuse <laughs> me. Uh, our first movie on the docket tonight will be Deep Rising. Welcome to the greatest pleasure ship ever built. Good times forever! I have something here, sir. I've never seen anything like this. It's a malfunction, sir. That's impossible. Where are they coming from? I don't know, sir, but whatever it is, it's, uh, big. They answered a distress call. Where the hell is everybody? Now. They're dead in the water. I got a really bad feeling about this. The ship's infested. Let's get the hell out of here! What the hell is that? The girl from Ipanema. And it's time for Horror in Media. And we're starting with 1998's Deep Rising, not Deep Impact, which Andrew almost said before we went into this segment. Um, so, Andrew, tell us a little bit about Deep Rising. Deep Rising, made in 1998, when a board of ruthless hijackers invade the world's most luxurious... When a band... What? <laughs> when a board... He sounds like a what? board of a company. What, is that what I said? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even realize it. Sorry, no. Keep Sorry. that in. That was really funny. <laughs> when a band... You can go both ways. I mean, they're kind of a board. I but, mean, yeah, uh, sure, sure. A, a board of terrorists. Yeah. When a band of ruthless hijackers invade the world's most luxurious cruise ship, they're shocked to discover the passengers have mysteriously vanished but that doesn't mean they're they are alone something terrifying is lurking just out of sight a deadly force from the unexplored depths of the ocean that begins to snatch the horrified intruders one by 
one. Oh yeah. The cast. Ooh, this is a well, this is a big cast. So I'm going to go through some of it. And uh, Treat Williams plays John Finnegan. And I learned how to pronounce her name, so I'm hoping that I, yeah. this is this is a, f- a funny one because she's gone by many pronunciations over the okay. years. It's actually Famku Janssen. But a lot of people just say Famka Jansen. Well, good for her. <laughs> um, she plays Trillian. Uh, Anthony Held plays Simon Canton. Kevin J. O'Connor plays Joey Pantucci. Wes Studi plays Hanover. Derek O'Connor plays Captain Atherton. Jason Fleming plays Mulligan. Cliff Curtis plays Mamuli. Clifton Powell plays M- Mason. Trevor Goddard plays T-Ray. And I'm just going to stop there because it just keeps going. This I is mean, a huge cast. Jim and Hansu's in this. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And so is Kano from Mortal oh, Kombat. Uh, who, who directed and, uh, and wrote it? Uh, this is directed and written by Stephen Sommers. Uh, uh, his opus. It came out in January of 1998. Alternate title is Tentacle. Um, this was a huge box office bomb. Yeah, a huge flop on Budget this. was $45 million. Uh, gross uh, un- worldwide was only a, l- a little over $11 million. So when I come up that with some... That is awful. When I come up with some of the fun facts later, um, this was something bigger, and it, it didn't happen because it did so poorly in the uh, box office. Um, funny enough, they moved the, the date of release because they didn't want to compete with Con Air. Um, so that's one thing. <laughs> I mean, what what a thing to compete with. Um, also, I see it's on Roger Ebert's most hated list. Yeah. Uh, I always knew I respected Roger Ebert, <laughs> and I do even more so now. So, Maddie, why don't you tell me, uh, uh, first of all, if this was a first-time watch, and secondly, uh, what you liked or did not like about Deep Impact. Gotta be honest, I, uh, Deep Rising. <laughs> we're, Damn we're, it! We're gonna keep doing it. <laughs> Honestly, I don't remember if I had watched this before or not. If 98, I'm sure that I did. Yeah. I'm sure I watched it on video at a friend's house or at my house or something. Because um, that's, a, that's a long time ago. Um, Deep Rising is a poor film um, for <laughs> a number of reasons. Um, but there are a, a couple of things that I'm actually kind of sad about. Um, Wes Studi is a fantastic, phenomenal actor. There's a lot of really great actors in this. Um, I mean, Wes Studi is in one of my favorite, favorite films of all time, Last of the Mohicans, which whatever you think about that film, it's a masterpiece. It's absolutely beautiful. It is, uh, if you're not in that, that kind of story, that's up to you. But it is a masterpiece of filmmaking, incredibly hard to make. Um, an incredible, you know, all of it. And Wes Studi is is one of the pinnacles of that film. Not to mention other films where he's been he's been wonderful. I thought it was really sad um, to like, I don't know. He's such a great Native American indigenous actor that I I would just. It was sad to see him do a role like this. If I'm being honest, um, but you know, get paid. I get it. Um, what else? I'm um, wondering if this would have done better at the box office if. Originally, Harrison Ford was supposed to be the lead, yeah. and I'm wondering if Harrison Ford is a better leading man than Treat Williams. But I mean, yeah, as far as like sellability, I yeah. guess I, at the time, I, I think it might have worked better too. The other, the other parts of it too is that a lot of it just doesn't make any sense. Um, which, look, I'm not asking this thing. I'm not asking this thing to be fucking Potemkin. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, like, it's just a monster movie. There are some, there's some stuff that's just also kind of dumb. Like now, especially that I learned that they spent, you know, almost fifty million bucks making this thing. I think we learned lo- from the beginning. <laughs> That this is supposed to be the most expensive, most luxurious ship in the world. Mm-hmm. It looks like a pile of shit. Like, <laughs> it looks so, like, the set looks so bad. I really was thinking about this. I was like, 
this ship sucks. Like even for 1998, like I just thought it was funny that they're ugh. like state of the art, like most uh, advanced, and it's literally run by CD-ROM. Yeah, girl. Also, because <laughs> oh, it's got elevators. Oh wow, yeah. how advanced can you get? Um, I think also too, like, there's just, there's a lot of Deus Ex Machina in it. Like all of a sudden there's an island, or all of a sudden there's this, or all of a sudden there's that. The guy from the Mummy is just so. It's so incredibly annoying. The guy that plays Benny in the Mummy, I can't think of his real name. Yeah, unfortunately, on this Ugh. on this rewatch, I really have to agree with you. And there on this because this who, is a, who is he? What's his name? I, I don't remember his name. Um, Joe, Joey, Joey, Joe. Oh, Joey. Yeah. So yeah. so Kevin J O'Connor. Yeah. Joey Pantucci. Um, on this rewatch, I got really frustrated because um, I I actually have seen this movie quite a few times. This was kind of like a, <laughs> a like a a go-to just like fun movie and, and that i totally understand um on this rewatch i got super annoyed with um that character specifically yeah. but also so we learn about i don't know a third into the movie that these this creature hunts by sound yeah right so what do they proceed to do talk the entire fucking time yeah so yeah. it just got really frustrating i'm like Hey, if there's a space, fill it with a joke. Right. Hurry. Like, and, th- and that's the other part of it, too, is like, I really, I really don't like it when that's what happens mm-hmm. because I don't think that that's good filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're making a comedy. I don't care if you're making a drama. You don't got to fill the space all the fucking time. You, if you're doing that, you don't trust me to follow along. And we talk about that a lot. People who love movies talk about that a lot. How you guys got to trust your Oh, I, I got some things to say about Ghost Ship. Without a so. doubt. And so it's like, if, you, if you're not going to trust me on this, and you just think, oh, no, they're stupid. You got to keep giving them a fucking bet, you know, basically a mummy joke every fucking 10 seconds. Or I have to make the Australian guy constantly take out his gun. Or I have to make Jaiman Hansu, the giant black guy, be like, so like this the whole time. Yeah. Like, that's not. You know what that is? That's that's like that's like pantomime. Like that's fuck. Honestly, it's fucking weird. Well, I mean, and we have to say that you know that this was 1998, so this was yeah, like sure. at the pinnacle of these type of action movies where it was like guns blazing without and, a doubt, and guns with infinite bu- infinite bullets apparently because sure. they're they never ran out of bullets. And, and, and I'm not saying that there's not a place for those for those kind of movies. I'm just saying that nobody deserves to be talked to at the lowest common denominator. Sure, and that's what this movie does. I do think that. Um, Treat, well, sorry to the fans. I Love do. You. I do think that Treat Williams and Famke Jansen do their job in this movie. I think that that. I think I do. I think Famke Jansen is just ridiculous. I love her. I love uh, her. I, I, I will say I do appreciate Treat Williams. Yeah, I do. I I think he did a good job in this. Yeah, I, I absolutely do. Um, I think that the, some of the creature, uh, like I, I didn't remember that this was so violent. Uh, <laughs> literally one of the notes that I wrote down here is this movie is so loud yeah <laughs> because all that they do is shoot guns yeah non-stop the and whole time with both of our movies tonight I am so sick of people going out into the middle of the ocean knowing that their ship is a piece of shit both movies tonight we go on a ship that likely will not make it back to your destination yeah, yeah, so why it's very true <laughs> Um, I also thought that the sound effects were really bad in this movie. Um, especially when like somebody's getting beat up. 
Mm, like the mm-hmm. punching sounds literally sound like a soundboard from like a browser. Yeah, I and, can I can understand that. And that's just the thing too, you know, just like going back and you know, now that you know things about it, right? Like you spent fifty million dollars on this. Right. Like you couldn't do better sound effects. Well, can I give you a little piece of trivia that resulted oh, in please. why? Um originally they were supposed to film this in a um what do you call it? A tank sound stage? Like no, like a tank like a water tank really in california but it was going to cost too much so they ended up building one in vancouver and it burst open and flooded <laughs> the town that was there that um, means your movie's curse stopped making it and so they had to rebuild it so that was a lot of the budget um and obviously cgi i think at the time was kind of expensive just because cgi was like a newer technology sure. um the cgi work uh, has not aged specifically well um but i still think that the concept of the monster is still pretty cool yeah like how it's a giant squid type thing and it kind of sucks you dry sure. and a lot of the practical work that they did with like the quote-unquote like poop deck but where all the skeletons yeah, are right i think that that's all pretty terrifying sure yeah um the, the the practical effects that they did do um specifically when um our homeboy gets uh, an axe to the head is pretty good yeah um for professionals these guys are real trigger happy i will say that yeah <laughs> they don't seem like trained professional hijackers too, like, how many times have you done this because i don't believe you've done it once and also if it only takes so we find out by the end of the movie that it takes one missile to take down the entire boat. They have several missiles, bombs, they've got like, they've grenades. Got like ten. They've got like ten there. <laughs> so why did we need that much arsenal um, just to sink a boat? Um, and if you would have shot it with that missile, it would have killed everyone on board. It just also <laughs> it, the the story doesn't really reinforce itself. So the story is basically this guy, this multimillionaire. Uh, spends his whole life building this which luxury... is by the way just anthony held playing himself yet yeah again which is all that he does <laughs> um he building this luxury cruise liner that then at the end of it he discovers he can't recoup his profits so he decides on its maiden voyage party forever <laughs> um that he is going to sink the ship get everybody off the ship but sink the ship for the insurance money um so that's kind of the overall and he hires this band of characters to come and get people off the ship but what was their job i we don't really know i can't i can't really figure out like what their I mean, job was that's just the thing is that in the end the movie just doesn't really you know doesn't really do anything um some of the some of the fun this movie is one of those movies that's just like one liner after one liner yeah. like one joke like a, I, i'm aging like a fine wine oh you look more like a keg <sighs> Yeah, wait, there was a couple that I wrote down. Wait, 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 wait keep talking. I'll find them. Um, one thing that my husband did point out, apart from the Irishman, or was he Irish or British? I can't remember. The guy with the kind of like floppy hair. That, that guy's like Scottish. Um, he, besides him, all people of color die first. Of course they do. So that's just something interesting yeah. to to point out. Yeah, just like silly quotes like, girl from Impanima. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't get this out of my head. It's a ghost ship. I vote we leave. Like... Just stuff like that that's just so... This this movie does have one of my um, ultimate fears built into it. Which is? Being sucked into a toilet. (laughs) That is a very strange fear, but yes, it does happen. It absolutely does. I have weird toilet horror. Like, I must have seen something very early on that, like... What the fuck is wrong with you, bro? Like, I remember watching Ghoulies 2, and there's a part where a guy goes to 
you know, do his business and he gets attacked by the ghoulies in the toilet. Ghoulies too. Um, Getting ghoulier. I have uh, seen pictures of snakes coming out of toilet in like Texas and like in the desert and it terrifies me. Stop looking at these fucking pictures. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, But no, I I think there's just, there's a couple of things that I wanted to point out. And in the beginning when we're having the big, huge party, I thought it was very interesting that he could quiet that entire huge ballroom filled with thousands of people by just a clink of the glass. Well, and also (laughs) this ballroom that is clearly not big enough for that many people. I know. Like this is the, once again, we're supposed to believe it's the world's most luxurious, expensive ship. ship in the world ever created. It looks like, a dinghy. Did you notice the, the two girl bartenders that kiss at the beginning? Yes, I did. I was like, "What? What was that?" You know, I I I, I don't know what that was, but yes, um, you, you couldn't escape it. I did think some of the deaths were kind of fun in a weird way. Like, there's a lot of splatter action in this movie. Like, they love splatter in a wall with blood. Yeah. Which, when you see how the creature kills people, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, it's supposed to, like, take you inside. Yeah, but um, I still think that it's, like, a fun... I don't know. This is just, like, a mindless movie. I don't... To me, it's just... Action, horror, fun. But that's what we're we're supposed to make fun of it. That's We're not even make fun. We're supposed to, you know... That's not making fun, being critical. Um, I, I, there was one line that Joey does give that I thought was pretty funny. Which was? Um, he's like, can you like just get asthma? <laughs> like, oh, yes. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, oh, and this is like deep rising. Classic. This, and there's one trope in this movie that I wanted to point out. And it's like classic horror action movie trope is that. It will instantly kill everyone, but it'll toy with the main character. Oh yeah, like, and, then, and then take forever. Yeah, <laughs> like as as though it needs to. Right, like because it, it doesn't. Obviously, I just thought it was funny that it, it was to. like you're the last one. I'm going to yeah. curl up and cuddle with you like, for a second. That's not what that monster would do. Let you shoot out my eyeball. Um, it, it is interesting to see that this apparently was not supposed to have a sequel. It was supposed to go into like a Kong Skull so, Island yeah, kind so of thing. Th- so what, basically what happens at the end of this movie is they are stranded on a desert island. What was originally supposed to happen if this movie did well is that Steven Somers had an idea for um, for what is the Skull word? Island. What can, what's the monkey's King Kong, King Kong Skull Island? He's not, and he's not just a monkey. He's King Kong. Gorilla, I believe, yeah, actually. <laughs> um, but it was originally going to go into that, um, later being made by Peter Jackson, correct? Yes. Um, but that was it. That, they probably made a better bet with Peter Jackson. Well, because I'm just it, saying. Just because it did so poorly, that's why they never made it. But if you watch the end now, you're like, oh, that totally makes sense. Well, I mean, because we, we had, so, you know, I, I asked folks on Twitter, like, you know, what did you think about Deep Rising? And there there are some fans. And, and I, listen, as always, if you like a movie, that's totally fine. Duh. But um, there were some people talking about, like, oh, we never got the sequel. And I was like, oh, I guess there was supposed to be a sequel. Mm-hmm. So anyways. Yeah. I mean. I still have think this movie's a lot of fun. Um, it's nothing that's going to win any Oscars anytime no, soon. No, it's not. Um, some of the acting is way over the top. Yeah, it's bad. I loved <laughs> that we got to see Kano from Mortal Kombat. I know. Um, Kano. <laughs> there's a, I feel like in this movie, like... Finish him. At the beginning... I'm sorry, I just burped. It's all right. Um, it's Pride Girl. You do what you want. Um, at the beginning, when you're looking at this cast of characters, you, you literally know every single one of these actors. Yeah. They were in like tons of 90s I mean, and 2000s. Especially like, if you were watching it in 98, you're like, oh, yeah, I know all of you. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've been to your houses. It was fun seeing Treat Williams. I feel like I haven't seen, is he alive? I'm guessing he is, but I haven't seen him in forever. Um, ask, you know, ask. 
Siri or Alexa? I, I think that he's kind of funny as a leading man, um, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's, got, I mean, he's got fun, quaffy hair. he worked. Yeah. He worked. I think he worked better than maybe anyone else in the cast. I agree. He, he, he definitely carries the film. Without a, without a doubt. Yeah. And doesn't do a bad job. And I do think that as his leading lady, you know, Famke Jansen does a, a fine job. I, yeah. I, don't know. Know. I, I feel like you're not as I, in the boat no, with her. I just, I just don't think she, she had a lot to do. I mean, you know, there is a, she did have a complaint at the beginning of the filming of this movie, which was is where everyone just kept telling her, like, you have to look beautiful. You have to look beautiful. And she was like, can I just look normal? Like I'm in a fucking like action movie where a monster is chasing me. Like, why can't I just like look normal? Uh, yeah. I mean, also, why would she look so beautiful that she's going to stand out? She's a thief. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that, I doesn't, get it. that doesn't actually make any sense, does it? Yeah, and I will say that this is a movie that has no um, no heroes. There's no, like, good guy in this movie. They're all there for nefarious reasons. She's a thief. He's kind yeah. of a pay-for-hire. Um, and uh, the other guys are mercenaries. They, uh, and the only one that's good is the monster. Um, so, I, I do want to point out, just because there are two different... Um, what do you call it? Two different ways of life that these two groups in our two movies tonight yeah. state to live their life. About. They're all salvage people. Um, so uh, in this movie, it is the 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 travelers or the people that take them to the ship. Um, if the cash is there, we do not care. Hmm. So that's a way of living life. I've heard people. I've heard that before. <laughs> it used, to, used to be my life. Remember. <laughs> Back All right, so I think that that will do it. So why don't we rate yeah. Deep Rising, not Deep Impact, the Meteor movie? We can, we can watch Deep Impact too. <laughs> I actually did a couple weeks ago. I so love Deep. I, I mean, I think I love Deep Impact. It's been a while, but I used to love it. Um, so on Friday the Thirteenth Horror Podcast, we rate on a seven stripe scale for the seven colors of the rainbow, which are even more important this month while we are in Pride. Yeah. Um. So Maddie, what do you give Deep Rising out of seven? I'm going to give it two stars. Okay. I'm going to give it four. Wow. I, did not, I like this movie. did not expect a four out of you. I like this movie. It's hey, better no, than average to Not me. dogging you. Not dogging you. But now you can see sometimes we have very varied opinions on mm-hmm. this show. Yeah. All right. That's it for this one. Yeah? Yeah. Wait, what do we do now? We Is take it, a break and we come back. Take it a break. We're taking a break, everybody. And then we will come back with Ghost Ship. Why don't you take a break too, but not too long? <laughs> Jack Farrington. I fly the Arctic Weather Patrol. Last month, I was out in the middle of the street when I came across this. Congratulations. You found a boat in the middle of the ocean. What do you think a ship like this could be worth? Depends on if we have the right to salvage it. I do know one thing. Sea gives you an opportunity to take it. Yo, Murph, I think you should get up here. It's an ocean liner. It's the Antonio Grasa. Any sign of what might have happened? Nothing. No passengers. No crew. No captain. No mention of anything in the ship's log. What do you make of that? Porsche. And we are back to talk about our last movie in our horror and media section today, and that is 2002's Ghost Ship. Um, Maddie, why don't you give us a synopsis in some of the notable cast? After discovering a passenger ship missing since 1962, floating adrift on the Bering Sea, salvagers claim the vessel as their own. Once they begin towing the ghost ship towards harbor, a series of bizarre occurrences happen, and the group becomes trapped inside the ship, which they soon learn 
is inhabited by a demonic presence whose only interest is the souls of sinners. Ghost Ship is from 2002. It was directed by Steve Beck, written by Mark Hanlon, uh, who wrote a story, must have been a little book, and also the screenplay. Uh, notable cast. There's, you know, there's quite a few. Uh, you got Gabriel Byrne, uh, you know, uh, just of, of major consequence. Of fame. <laughs> uh, Juliana Margulies, uh, Ron Eldard, Desmond Harrington, Isaiah Washington, Alex Dimitriides, uh, Carl Urban, um, Keith Urban's brother. No, I'm is, joking. Is I have no true? idea. Oh, I have no idea. True? <laughs> Emily Browning, Francesca Rettondini, and a bunch of other people. Um, this was released on October 25th, 2002. Um, Halloween cash grab. Yeah, of course it was. Filmed, uh, it looks like it uh, primarily in Vancouver. The budget for this one was 20000 Uh Worldwide cum- uh, cumulative gross. Not bad for this one. 68 million. So they made quite a bit more on this one than our friends on Deep Rising did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, a lot of this is kind of the same as Deep Rising, if we're being honest. It's a crew yeah. coming to a ship. Yeah. Salvage thing, going to a thing, discovering something's not right, and then here we go, and there's a bunch of dead people also. But Andrew, uh, just you know what to do. Yeah, so um, uh, I almost said Deep Rising. <laughs> um, Ghost Ship. Um, this was a movie I saw when it came out in theaters. This was at the height of kind of the Dark Castle remakes yeah. of like House on Haunted Hill and 13 Ghosts. Uh-huh. And then Ghost Ship came out. Um, and it should be stated that Ghost Ship was the first original idea that Dark Castle produced. Because Dark Castle was originally formed just to remake William Castle movies. That was kind of their, their shtick. So this was original... Um, um, to them. Uh, Ghost Ship, when I saw it in the theater, I absolutely fucking hated it and never wanted to go back That's to it. That's not a surprise. Um, on rewatch, I found a little bit more to enjoy about it. Um, I thought that all of the acting, apart from Gabriel Byrne, who I cannot understand, he just he does not enunciate, and I can't understand. I had to keep turning up the volume. I mean, wait till you go to Ireland, my dear. <laughs> like you're gonna no, have it's, a tough it's, time. It's not his accent. It's how he he he. I th- I think a lot of that is sound. Yeah. To be honest, like especially on sets like these, like if they don't have you mic'd correctly, yeah, like. You're not going to hear a thing. With, with this movie, I did have to keep turning it up and then turning it down and then turning it yeah. up and then turning it down. So it might have been a mixing issue. Sure. Um, but this time around, um, I did forget how wildly violent this movie is. It is pretty violent. Um, I didn't remember so much gore. I thought this was more like a PG-13 movie, but it's definitely a hard R. Um, the opening is the thing that is so successful about this movie. And that's the thing that everyone brings up. Everyone posts about everyone. And it does have a great ending. I did not remember that it opened with like a cheesy, um, uh, love boat type beginning with like a like a flowery font and like yeah. kind of like majestic music that kind of comes across. Yeah, sure. Um, it, but it's interesting. It's it's all like very colorful and like very like vibrant yeah. until he like the mystery the mystery man kind of um, starts the 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 hand that rocks the cradle if you will you know the cable yeah when he hits that all of a sudden everything is very muted in tone uh-huh. so i thought that, that was kind of interesting um then the beginning happens you know the 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 famous uh slicing of all the people on in this, half in the stage um 
I thought it was interesting. They originally were just going to decapitate everybody, but I think the way they did it was much better because not everyone's the same height, so it doesn't make yeah, sense. Exactly. So, um, yeah, exactly. When yeah, when the movie started, I actually um, I wrote down, is this... Did I rent the right movie? I did too, actually, for a second. Um, and then, and then, you know, sure as shit, I did. I, I think it's one of those movies where the um, the cover art or the posters don't fit mm-hmm. um, a lot of the movie. To be honest with you, like they, they just really didn't in this case. Um, and you know, yeah, the opening kill kill is intense, wild. Yeah, it's really wild. I mean, I've, I've, I've uh, there's nothing, there's no other film like that. I would say. Um, It's said that Emily Browning was, um, she basically was on set. So when they were performing all the special effects, because they didn't want to traumatize her from like having it happen while she was just there. Um, And I think they do a really successful job with most of the practical effects in this movie, but especially the beginning. Oh my God. Um, And there are a couple choice scenes where they choose to do CGI instead, and it does not hold up very well. Um, But this is 2002, so we can't really slight them too much. There's the one, the one scene that I'm really talking about is where Isaiah Washington character, um, kind of the ballroom gets rebuilt around him and it's kind of like circling him and everything's being built back up. But you can totally tell that he's just like on a, the green screen yeah. like stage or whatever. Um, so one thing about his character before we get too far into it, um, he has a line and it's most of the people in this movie that are fine with just talking to ghosts. They're not afraid. They're not horrified. They're not anything. His line is, well, you, you can't cheat on your girlfriend with a dead girl. Right. Oh and then God. he proceeds to kiss her. So I don't, I don't understand how you're not cheating. Um, but, uh, that's just like one thing that I pointed out. There's, I, I think that this is a cast that is wildly underused. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because we all know from Juliana Margulies that she's an amazing actress sure. and she's like, she has some good moments in this movie, but overall, she's just like, there's nothing for her to do here. I, I think the movie is a shame because yeah. I think any movie, um, any story where it's essentially like like the devils come to, mm-hmm. to, to collect, um, you know, his, his ducats, as, as it were, um, is a, it can be a very compelling story. Yeah. There are a number of, of plays that have been written, a number of movies that deal with this exact Theme. Well, even like Tales from the Crypt, sure. the original movie right. is about these people that were all sinners. Yeah, without a doubt. And that they're being shown their death. And yeah. like that's kind of, it's kind of like this, this movie to me is kind of like a Tales from the Crypt meets The Shining meets like yeah. a boat movie. You I know? Mean, <laughs> some of the, there, there are a number of problems with this film. I'm going to start at the bottom. Okay. And I'll say my main problem, one of my main problems with the film was the soundtrack. It is all over the place. It is god awful. It's all I mean, over it the place. It is so incredibly bad. It's this like early two thousands, um, like crunchy, like metal. It's almost like the two thousand version of it, like Enigma. Oh, uh, and you know, and, I mean? and, like, and I don't, I'm not entirely even sure if if whatever metal band that is, is like actually a metal band or if it was just for this movie. I don't know. Um, and like I like metal. I'm I, I'm into some metal. This is shit metal. This well, is like this is like shit metal that like Kid Rock would do. You know what but I mean? But it's it is so bad. It's just so. It's so strange because there are so many moments in the score where it's very composed and very, sure. um, just like any other movie. But it then doesn't they, make any sense. But then they go into these action sequences where it's just like, yeah, like, it's, it's like there, no one, there, whoever, who was the director on this? I, I forget. You know, it doesn't even fucking matter. Whoever directed it's a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> you don't understand pace. You don't understand 
keeping a theme throughout a movie, you don't understand, like, literally soundtracking a story. He doesn't get it, clearly, because he fucking failed. Yeah. So that's one thing that I have uh, to say. Um, I also think that, like, this the whole, like... Um, the whole development of like the devil character, like yeah. the demon character in Desmond Harrington, who I also wrote down. He's always so cute to me, but he's just so bad. Yeah, he's um, not a great actor. He's just so bad. And there's no like good development of it. Mm-hmm. Like he all of a sudden he just sort of like shifts his tone a half step. Well, it's... and then all of a sudden he's like evil, but apparently being evil really just means that now you have like more one-liners to give. For example, uh, you collect ships, I collect souls. If I don't do my work, management wouldn't be happy. Like, yeah. come on, like, literally give me a gun so I can shoot myself and never watch this again. Well, part of the reason why his t- character shift does not work is because they over-explain the twist. Completely. They, they, literally, they literally show you back when they're they show you what happened on the ship after the yeah. ballroom um incident and how he took over the souls of the sinners and made them all kill everybody else on board but they they show his face and they're like oh see this is him but then they have to also show you flashbacks exactly. of earlier in the movie because you couldn't put it yourself together it's just it's it's too complicated for for what could actually be a, a an okay movie um, it, it just ends up not well, working they, they, for me. For, for me, they over-explain when they don't need to, yeah. and they under-explain when they really needed to. Right back to what we were saying before during Deep Rising mm-hmm. or Deep Impact Part 2, which, which it actually is. I really wanted to know more about what this guy's motivations were. Why are you this demonic yeah. force? Who Are you working for the devil? Or are you working for something else? Because yeah. he obviously alludes to a, a quote-unquote management, which I think is fucking stupid. It's dumb. Um, but... Uh, it, 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 there's not enough, and then, care- and then in the end, we get this ridiculous thing of him getting on another ship, right? And then, like, the, and then that music comes back on, and it shuts the door on, you know, whatever her Julianne, Julianne Marquis, and no, uh, come on, I know, gag me with this. Um, yeah, I wrote down a couple of other notes. Sure, one of the notes was someone saw this and liked this. Another note was <laughs> someone spent money on that CGI. Mm-hmm. Those are my other two notes that I wrote down there. <laughs> That's good. Um, so and I'm sorry. Like, look, I, I just want to say it again. I have nothing against movies that are fun for you. If they're fun for you, it's fine. I think it's wonderful, actually, that you like to have fun with a movie. I will say that if I'm going to talk about a film on a podcast, I'm not going to talk about about you know, I'm not just going to do the same thing over and over again for 20 minutes. You know yeah. what I mean? No, like, I think um, I think that the things that are going for this movie is obviously I think the kills are all actually pretty good. Yeah, they are. There are a couple that are um, that could have been better. Like Gabriel Burns' um, death is kind of yeah. unsacramental. Or it's just he just dies. It's not memorable. Um, and the her main love interest who. I don't know. Did you allude to a love interest until the devil character said it for you? No. I didn't get that. I was like, he's never made one um, even sort of provocation of, oh, I'm into her. I guess now we know why his name is Ferryman, right? Yeah. The Ferryman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there there were some shining things that really popped up. I thought, all, I thought almost all the deaths were good. Yeah. And I, it is interesting to see also in the, in the ephemera here that Gabriel Byrne replaced Brian Cox. Mm-hmm. Could not see Brian Cox in that role for sure. That That's interesting to think that he was ever actually. In the I, I just think that. that the whole, I think that that 
character in this movie is just miscast altogether. I mean, I, I, I think I, uh, there are plenty of great actors who get into a role and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Like, well, can I, that, that was probably Gabriel. Honestly, that was probably how Gabriel Byrne felt. I mean, he is a phenomenal actor. Right. And he probably got into that role and was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Well, I can tell you why. Oh, um, well, here we go. So originally this movie and the script that was originally given to the cast was pitched as um, The Shining, but on a boat. So originally this was going to be... Which would have been better. Kind of greed about the gold and people turning on each other and his alcoholism played a lot more into it if you notice the seduction scene is very much in the same vein as um the shining where she turns into like an old person at the time they all got on a plane and when they got off to film the movie they were given a brand new script and because they were already contractually obligated to the movie they had to do it i got some news for you i have a a star rating for this movie or however we do this stripe rating god i'm such an idiot today it's now zero stripes i'm giving the, i'm giving this movie zero now that i know that i actually did not know that at all now that i know it yeah it was this originally movie, this movie can fuck off all the way it would have been so much better the way that they originally had conceived it this is such a piece of shit i'm done i like that when they pull up to the decrepit ship he's like oh she's such a beaut oh and i'm like God. and i'm like is she because it you looks kind of shitty fuck joel silver <laughs> fuck that 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 is just such a shitty thing to learn about this yeah because this movie is tolerable until you know that fact sure and now now i actually i hate that i rented this movie it's kind of just like a it's kind of just a blah movie there's not really like a ton of well, to redeem just, that about is so it. stupid like literally i'm i'm you can you don't have to go through the the ceremony it gets zero stripes from me that's okay. the first time i've ever done that before um we should be said that juliana margulies d- disowned this film good for her um she denies being in it <laughs> pretty good much altogether um, what a shame that's a real shame i feel bad for all of them i know um i do think that emily browning as the little girl and she's kind of gone on to do a cup you know some more stuff in the horror genre there but. was also one funny part with her though um what so there's this one the part where they, they were putting gold onto the, the other boat right yeah i think and like her ghost runs out and she's like no but somebody, someone like, tackles her <laughs> i laughed so hard i was like wait what who just tackled was there a football player on the fucking boat too like, who tackled her no <laughs> Yeah, that was that, funny. That was funny. Uh, I do think the um, when we do <laughs> when we find out like what happened on the boat, I thought that that explained a lot for me. Um, but well, I mean, sure. But it was yeah. accompanied by this awful soundtrack. <laughs> but it was, it was also it was also one of those things where it was like, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and first first the car first the brakes go out then they hit the car then yeah. they go off the cliff then they yeah. go into the river then the car blows up like. Yeah. And then the picture, you know, kind of floats out. It's it's one of those things yeah. where it's a like, overkill. Your 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 overkill in like kills and in and in and in um, happenings and in this and in that does not explain away your shitty movie, right? You know what I mean. And then explicitly at the end, it kind of turns into this weird action movie, which kind of derails Ugh. the whole thing. This movie's a mess. I gotta tell you, I'm so mad right now. <laughs> I, really, cause I, I I did not know that. You're you're better at finding like the, like the little trivia mm-hmm. stuff. 
did not know that, and that really pisses me off. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not. It's okay. Now I know. Would you spend $4? Knowledge is power. You know what I mean? <laughs> Knowledge is power. Speaking of $4, patreon.com slash fragay13. We'll talk more about that later. Um, so you're giving this zero stir- stripes. Zero stripes. Um, I'm going to be a little more uh, generous in mine, and I'm going to give it a 2.5. That I think that's fair. Yeah. Sure. So. The, the only reason why I'm giving it zero is because of, I just shitty. learned that. Yeah, it's yeah, shitty. I yeah. learned that. Uh, this caliber of cast and then kind of pulling the, ru- the rug out. Because it could have been interesting. Yeah. The, the shining on a boat. As dumb as that sounds, is actually, well, yeah, I would watch that movie. It, it meant to be like a, I guess it meant to be a smaller cast. So yeah. they, they added more characters to, to pad the, the kill count in this. Um, but it was mostly meant to just be kind of, um, who was it? Who was originally supposed to turn on them? Uh, Murphy. Murphy was like supposed to be the killer. He was motivated. Oh, oh see, now it makes sense. Motivated by gold, uh, greed. And that and them all turning on each I other. I mean, that makes so. listen. That makes total sense. And the reason why the, you know why the cast Gabriel Byrne usual suspects. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you you go through the whole thing thinking that he's Kaiser Soze. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, by the way, sorry if I ruined that for you out there. <laughs> yeah, Gabriel Byrne's not Kaiser Soze. You know who is? We don't need to say his name. <laughs> you should watch the movie and find out. <laughs> Um, okay, so <laughs> I give it 2.5, you give it 0 based on merit this, alone. Fucking put this ship at the bottom of the ocean. It, but if this movie was based on the beginning alone, it'd be a lot higher because the beginning's real strong and yeah, memorable. Well, here's the thing, though. If, if I now actually want The Shining on a Boat. <laughs> I want that. But that opening wouldn't work. Yeah, the, that opening would be that. That opening is too. Um, it's too visceral. too visceral, but also too like. It's not. What's the word I'm looking for? Fuck. It's not um, realistic. Yeah, whatever. I, it's not something enough. I can't think of the word right now, but that's just how it is. <laughs> and so it's not enough. It wouldn't be right for a shining on a boat. Sure, I understand. You know, we should. I think it would be a fun T-shirt to have too. The shining on a boat. I'll think of we that. We can write the script. Yeah, sure. Anyways. That's that. But, yes, so, okay, well, listen, we're, that's it for horror and films. Two interesting films. Listen, I'll, I'll, I will give the horror industry this. You made two films about cruise ships. That's awesome. We're going to hope for some more, okay? So, listen, we're going to take another little break, and we're going to come back with, oh, we haven't done this one in a while, with Slice Left, Slice Right. We're back, everybody, with a terrifying game of Tinder, which I'm on all the time because I'm so bored in quarantine, <laughs> and I'm probably never going to have sex again. But here we are. We can play this this game yes, still. <laughs> this game will help us get through that. Okay, so this is a game where we literally just tell you if we're going to slice left or slice right. If you've never played Tinder before or played play Tinder. Tinder. <laughs> Uh, going left is you mean you don't like them. Going right means you think that they're you know sexy. So let's do it. Are you first at least, one. Or you at least want to go on a date with them? Yeah, you want you just want to go on a date first. <laughs> um, socially distanced. Okay, so Andrew, would you slice left or slice right on John Finnegan, aka Treat Williams? I slice right, especially in this movie. Yeah. I think he's looking good. Yeah. It's, probably, it's probably like prime of his uh, physique and looks. What are you hoping uh, his uh, position would be? 
what do you mean? Like, you know what I mean. You're thinking, you're looking at this guy and you're like, okay. He seems like a missionary kind of guy, to be yeah, honest with you. Right, right. So, oh, he's the bottom in this, I see. Um, okay, for me, um, I would also slice right on treat. Why not? He's cute. Yeah, he's a cute guy. All right, for our second um, participant, our second profile profile (laughs) profile profile is popping up um is simon canton aka anthony held who plays the millionaire of the ship motherfucker i'm slicing left on this motherfucker annoying literally annoying in every movie he's ever he ever does um wow it's bold statement (laughs) he's getting left he's left yeah i'll slice left he's a goofball and it's just just weirdo so ridiculous (laughs) um next one next profile popping up ding dodge A.K.A. Ron Eldard. I'm blanking on who this is. <laughs> well, you got you got to slice left or slice right, girl. Is Dodge? Oh yeah, okay. I'll slice right on him. He's cute. The the blonde guy from Ghost Ship. Yeah. Um, the romantic interest, so to say. I'll slice right. I guess. I mean, looks who, good. Who the fuck am I kidding? He reads. He's reading a book. It's my. It's a fucking dry spell. What am I going to do? Slice left? I mean, come on. He's reading a book called A Conspiracy of Evil. I did, we did see that. <laughs> I thought that was a nice little touch. So uh, our last person up for discussion is Desmond Harrington, a.k.a. The Ferryman. Slicing right. Uh, he's a dumb dumb. <laughs> but I just, I've always thought that Desmond Harrington is cute. I, I can't really explain it. I'll slice left. He doesn't. He just doesn't do it for me. He's got that face that just doesn't change. Hey, you know listen, what I mean? If your dick don't get a tingle, you're not going to go mingle. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, no, just for me personally, like even in, even when he was in Dexter, just yeah. he's one of those actors that just doesn't. He just is himself. He doesn't sure. really act. I don't know. If you're not feeling a lock, it's not touching your cock. <laughs> You know, we can just keep going on with You got a lot of these, don't you? I I was thinking of some more, but that's all I got for now. Okay. Well, that does it (laughs) for this ridiculous episode 35. I hope you haven't turned us off by now. They they didn't. They're still with us. You know it. So Um, at the end of the show, we always like to do some call outs. Um, This is no different. We definitely want to call out our our overlord. Stop making that face. Our overlord, (laughs) Bowman's dead. Of no. Legion of Legion podcasts, you can go listen to Legion podcasts at legionpodcast.com. If we don't, if we don't produce enough content, Bo literally um, stands outside of, of my door when I sleep, and he has a pitchfork and he pokes me with it. And he does, he does the same thing to Andrew too. He doesn't do it to Michael though; he just does it to us because he likes Michael better than us. That's what Bo does to us. <laughs> You hear that? Um, We also want to announce that we finally did it. We made our quarantine goal. We have reached 250 Apple reviews and ratings. Yeah, Literally humping the air right now. I just want to call out uh, our 250th review was an Absolute Nobody podcast, a Chicago-based podcast that just started. They just released their first episode, so go check them out. Thank you for your review. As a reward, you get nothing, but you do get our respect and our thanks. (laughs) We love you. Um, as always, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash Friday 13. Andrew, can you tell our listeners what's, I, I, I think it's actually pretty easy to do, right? What's the least amount of money that you can pledge to be a patron? One dollar. One. Can you believe that? He just said one dollar. That means for one dollar a month, you get to support this incredible, life-changing, <laughs> transcendent, transformative podcast. Do you have any idea how incredible that is? 
For a dollar a month? Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. And if you give us 20 bucks, we'll, we'll hang out with you on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, so listen, there's a lot of levels there. But $1 a month would also be a big help. Um, you can also call us at 872-208-3119. That's 872-208-3119. We are planning to play and react to your phone calls on episode 40. So you only got five more episodes yeah. to get those in. Leave us a sexy phone call. Leave us a scary phone call. We've leave gotten us, both. Leave us a threatening <laughs> phone call if you want. I mean, look, literally do whatever you want. Um, but what? That number again is... 872-208-3119. And hey, if you haven't done this yet, would you please remember to follow us on all of these things? Search for us on Facebook. And then on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Frygay13. That's at Frygay13. So now that we're done pimping ourselves out to you, we encourage you to... Get Get Slayed! slayed.